0: The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church. My name is Victor Picasso. Um, Maddie and I have been coming to Story City for three years, and... They have been an incredible family to us. Some of you may or may not know me. I'm usually pretty shy, so this is me trying to change that. (laughs) All right, so today's scripture is from Matthew 5, verses 1 through 3. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, guys. Good morning, Story City family. It is an honor and a privilege to be here with you this morning. Happy. Thanks for clapping. Um, typically, you wait till the end. <laughs> that way I know if you like it or not. <laughs> but I do appreciate it's a. it's an easy church when you guys are clapping before I've even said anything. So good job on you. I got a little confession. I'm a little worried this morning about whether my stuff is going to blow off the stage here. So I'm going to do the best I can to try and arrange this. So if you just kind of bear with me as we go through it today, we're going to have to kind of play this this game a little bit with with the wind. But um, again, for those of you who don't know, my name is Jared. I'm one of your pastors here. It is a pleasure and a privilege of serving here This is a place where your story matters, where we want you to know that your story uh, is a part of our story. It's important to us, but ultimately our story, your story together is a part of God's story for the city of Los Angeles. And we are are excited. Uh, Here at Story City, we are a multi-campus church. That means that we have a campus here in Burbank. A campus in Granada Hill, and we believe that God desires to see communities change, that we would be a church that leads communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and people. And so, starting in Burbank and Granada Hills and the Valley and Los Angeles and to the ends of the earth, we are a church that raises up church planters and plants churches so that more and more people can come to know and understand the gospel. And the gospel is that God himself has come to rescue and renew all creation through the person and work of Jesus. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. We are all about Jesus here. That is the heart and soul of this. If we weren't, then we have no business being together as a church. And Jesus, having accomplished his task of making a way for all things to be rescued and renewed, now advocates for us to the Father and has sent the Holy Spirit to help us learn how to love Jesus and people because it does not come naturally to us. And so we together are learning as a family. As a family, we, we see Jesus as the king of this kingdom, and he's invited us to be citizens together into this. And so we are learning today, we are learning over these weeks how to be good citizens of this kingdom of heaven. And we're gonna get into what Jesus says this, is, this kingdom is about and who it's for in just a minute. But before we do, I wanna mention a couple quick things. It is Valentine's Day And Hannah, thank you. You you absolutely nailed my heart for today. Today is a a beautiful day for some, a difficult day for others. Uh, I want you to know that um, that God loves married families, but He loves singles just as much. And so, if you're here today and you're single, this is a maybe a hard day for you. This is a hope you're longing for. Know that, as Hannah said, uh, we want you to know that God loves you truly and deeply. That God is is the one that loves better than any other person can. And so, He is the one that gives us what we truly need and that fulfillment in Him. But secondly, I want you to know, speaking of love, that uh, Pastor Matt Lawson texted me this morning and uh, let me know that this is our five-year anniversary from our launch for today. Yeah, happy anniversary! Um, I didn't get you anything. I didn't. I didn't know. I'm a little shocked. So, excuse me. But, but happy anniversary from our official launch here at Story City. We are so thankful for all. That God has done in these first five years and tremendously look forward to what God God is going to do in the next five years. So would you pray with me as we start um, just diving into Scripture today and seeing what God is going to do in us and through us? Father, you are absolutely amazing. You are so incredible. You are so good. Lord, as we come to you and there's moments where we just don't understand, there's moments that are difficult, moments that are Lord, to be honest, we just wonder what the heck is going on in our lives, and yet you are steadfast and faithful. You are the one that loves us truly, not because of anything we've done, not because we deserve it, but because of who you are. And we thank you this morning that our identity as beloved children is because that's the identity that we we have received from you, Again, not because of our works, not because of anything that we've accomplished, but because of who you are. And so we turn to you this morning and say thank you that we are truly loved, that we are truly known, that you know all parts of us. And even knowing that, that you have chosen us, that you have called us, that you've accepted us, that you have loved us, that you have poured out a lavish love on us. And so we thank you for that. We ask that you would move in our hearts today, help us to hear what you wanna say through your spirit. Spirit, speak to us in ways we can truly understand. We love you and thank you in your name. Amen. Well, this first recorded message of Jesus is called the Sermon on the Mount because Matthew writes that Jesus went a little way up a mountain to teach. Now, if you've been to Israel, um, well, let me just say this. If you haven't been to Israel, I'm, I'm hoping, God willing, everything will be open again in 2022 and I plan to lead a group from here to Israel. Uh, this will be my fourth time back. It's absolutely one of my favorite places in the world to be. It 100% helps uh, change your faith. I think it's, uh, it's, it's super beneficial to our faith. So if you get a chance to go, it is. But you'll come to a place they call the Mount of Beatitudes, and uh, you'll find that it's not really a mountain. It's more like a mountainous plain or a foothill. Uh, and you go, why did he record it this way? Well, it's kind of like how all the people from Iowa call everything a mountain until... They get here and they realize that's just a hill, right? Several of you Iowans out there and one Missourian today, just making sure you understand what I'm talking about. That's right. Anyway, I, so, so Jesus begins to give this sermon on the, the, the foothill, on the side of the mountain. And one of the cool things is as you, are, you actually get to, to sit there, uh, they've built a, um, uh, a church up on the side of the hill. But what's really crazy is um, w- when you talk, both from the top of the hill and the bottom of the hill, actually, you can hear each other really clearly. It's just kind of the way that the, the sound carries in that particular region. It's really interesting. But uh, there'll be people who will go to the bottom of the hill and they'll sing, and you can hear them crystal clear from the top of the hill. It's really kind of a, a special thing. And so Jesus is teaching here. But, but in our sermon prep this week, uh, Pastor Andy reminded us something I think is really important. And he reminded us that there's no break. Like our Bible breaks up the chapters so it's easy for us to find things, but there's no break really from what's happening between chapter four and chapter five, and they're connected. And chapter four ends with this desperate yet excited crowd. They're seeing what Jesus is doing. They're noticing that he has uh, spiritual authority. He has physical authority. He has authority over the things that that are spiritual, but he's also healing. And so they're saying, we've never heard anybody teach like this, but to back it up, he's also doing miraculous healings. This is incredible. And so it's that desperate crowd that's growing and growing and growing. It's that reason that Jesus stops to teach them. He has compassion for them. His heart breaks for them, and so he stops to engage them. The other thing that's important for us to remember is the context of who this group of people are Jesus' ministry didn't start in Jerusalem. He actually starts in the north part of the nation. The area around Galilee is is different. This isn't the religious elite. This actually aren't even really religious people. The sea around Galilee, this area that he's ministering in is really mixed. It's it's an area heavy with both Gentiles and Jews. It's a part of where one of the main Roman roads would go through. So there's a lot of trade that kind of goes through. It's, It's an area like that. But ultimately, compared to Jerusalem, it's not cultured. It's not the the leading edge of technology or culture. This is really backwoods. In a lot of ways, this would be like Jesus starting his ministry in District 13 with the coal miners instead of the capital elite. There's a heavy Greek-Roman culture that's kind of influencing everything. And so there's this struggle with, with who are we as a people? Who are we to to really live out our faith, uh, which is so tied to our identity and our security and who we are as not only a people and a nation, but as a religious group. And so groups like the Pharisees sprung up, fearing their loss of culture, fearing their loss of identity as a nation, their religious identity. And so they had been established, the Pharisees and other groups had been established to help keep all of those things pure and safe from the Hellenization that was happening. But the majority of the citizens, specifically in this area, couldn't keep up with a growing list of to-dos and don'ts, the, the do's and don'ts that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were putting on them. And, and, and more and more things were having to be added so that they, they sort of kept their ways pure and the heart of who they were pure. And, and the more that that happened, the more that it just became an impossible righteousness In other words, a life where one experienced a God who loved them and knew them was considered almost beyond reach by the average Jewish person. And so this kingdom of God, if it was going to be ushered in, was going to be ushered in, they thought, to the religious elite first, to the the holy ones. They figured if anybody's name was going to be called, it wasn't their names, and it certainly wouldn't be in this place. And then Jesus shows up and absolutely, as he always does, turns things on his head. He absolutely destroys their preconceived notions of what God's kingdom is and who it's for. You see, the kingdom of God is not a physical kingdom, but a spiritual one. It's one that is primarily within us, controlling our hearts and minds and our outlooks. And instead of answering the challenge to their spiritual condition by addressing the dangerous outside cultural influences that are happening, Jesus comes and says, let me address your heart. Instead of mandating an impossible list of rules for them to follow, Jesus calls them to rest in him and their new identity as citizens of this kingdom. Instead of calling them to be rich in good work and try to earn God's love, he calls them to recognize God's love for them is not dependent on their actions or how many rules they follow or what kind of lists they keep. But they are rich in spirit because we now have his spirit. This new kingdom Jesus is ushering in is about our new identity and our utter dependence on God to be who he is calling us and creating us to be. this is the same thing. Jesus' message has not changed. This is the same thing that he is calling us into, this kingdom, to be citizens of this kingdom, is not based on those things, but in who he has created us to be, who he is making us to be, who we are in him. And so Jesus starts this sermon off with the Beatitudes. The word Beatitude is Latin for blessing, which is where this part of the sermon gets its name, these blessings. And Jesus uses the word makarios, and it means so much more than, uh, than happiness or blessing. It means good fortune. It's, it's almost like it, it's all of those things wrapped into one. It's incredible fortune. You are fortunate. You are blessed. And you are happy as a result of those things. If you notice, the first two of those things are things that, that are done to you. God has done these things. And as a result, now we are happy. And so it's all tied up in that. It's almost like I think the closest I've ever seen is friends of mine who have been trying to get pregnant for a long time and they're struggling and struggling and struggling and there's all this fear and doubt and hope and longing mingled up into it. And then the moment that they find out they're pregnant, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm elated, I'm overwhelmed and I've been praying for this. And this answered prayer is just, it's all of that wrapped up into one. I feel blessed, but I also feel this awe and utter dependence on God. Like this is just an overwhelming sense of, oh my goodness, here I am. And this is exactly what that word um, should bring to our minds. And so Jesus said this. It's important to know that, that he said this on purpose. Jesus' sermon builds on itself and he starts with this poor in spirit, absolutely intentionally. Intentionally. And so it's really important that we start with this, that we understand it, that we listen and respond to his teaching. And so all of this starts with blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, let me clear up a common mis- misconception. Some of you are like, oh, I've never heard this. This is something that has been taught before by other people. And so it's just important that we kind of address it now. If you've never heard it before, no big deal. But Jesus is not saying here, blessed are the poor and leaving it at that. Okay, this is, this is not that. So If you're taking notes today, this is the first observation for the day. Poor in spirit is about identity, not money. Poor in spirit is about identity, not money. Some people have tried to interpret this verse based as blessed are the poor. And uh, the Bible says that the poor uh, will be blessed, but that's not what he's talking about here. Even in Luke chapter 6, where some people relate these two things, Jesus says that uh, the poor are blessed. If you look at it in context of the entire chapter, poor means not being possessed by a worldly spirit. And so, um, good news, we don't have to take a vow of poverty, okay? Uh, that's, that's all right. We are not... Um, we are not... Uh, I have some friends that have taken those vows and that's that's absolutely okay, but this is not something that Jesus required us to be. Uh, we're not a prosperity doctrine gospel place here. We're not saying that Jesus is going to make you rich in any way. Jesus said the poor would always be with them and that we as a church must care for their needs. In fact, he says true religion is this, that we care for the widows, the orphans, the poor. That is our job, to love people, to love the marginalized, to reach out and find ways to model Jesus to them. What Jesus is saying here is that... Um, Rich people and poor people are on the same footing. In fact, Jesus also speaks about rich people. He says it's, it's often harder for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven because so often we rely on our own resources and our own abilities instead of trusting who God is. And so he says poor and rich are equal. We need to trust in God and understand that God is our provider. God is the one that is everything to us. Does that make sense? So being poor in spirit is not about money. It's about a, a relying on God's riches at Christ's expense. That's grace, right? G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit and why does this matter? If you're taking notes today, this is our second observation for the day. The kingdom of God belongs to and only to those who are poor in spirit. The kingdom of God belongs to and only to those who are poor in spirit. What Jesus is talking about here is an attitude or a posture of our heart. It's a way of understanding, believing, and living entirely dependent on God and not on ourselves. It doesn't mean that we have to be unconfident or lacking in courage or nervous weaklings or running around trying to show how humble we are or lowly we are. In fact, to be honest, the more humble we try to prove that we are, oftentimes that is really just showing how prideful we are. I remember learning this lesson a, a difficult way, and it was uh, we. My wife and I were on both on staff at a church in Hawaii, and um, there was this one guy in staff that everybody would just brag about how humble he is, how humble he is. And as we got to know him, what we found is that any that you ask him to do something, he'd say, "Oh no, no, no! I can't, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I, I, I can't do it. I, I, I'm not." I'm like, "You did it last week, and you did it fine." But what would happen is he, he, he ended up thinking that, that humility was self, self-depreciating, self-facing. Uh, like the more that he put himself down, the more humble he was. And so he made a, a point out of trying to put himself down. And, and what he was doing was actually drawing more attention to himself. And I begin to realize that, that I did a lot of the same things. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And, and what I found is it's, it's actually prideful. What I'm hoping is that people pay attention to how not prideful I am. Well, what am I doing? I'm actually bringing the focus and the attention on myself. Ultimately, it's actually pride. Gospel humility is about not thinking less of yourself, but about thinking of yourself less often. Gospel humility is not thinking less of yourself, but about thinking of yourself less often. And so if being poor in spirit is remembering that we are dependent on God and not ourselves, then it's a complete absence of pride, a complete absence of self-assurance and self-reliance. It's nothing we can produce, nothing that we can do in and of ourselves. It's just this tremendous awareness of our utter nothingness as we come face to face with God, that is is being poor in spirit. And that's why all of this starts with that. We have to understand everything comes from him. Let me give you an example. Let's say you and I are in the desert in the middle of the day, and I have a red cup filled with... Okay, some of my Southern Baptist hardcore fans are are freaking out right now. It's not that example, okay? It's gonna be all right. It's a hot day in the desert. I have a red cup, okay? But it's filled with warm Dr. Pepper, all right? Okay, just to be clear, warm, flat Dr. Pepper, and you come by with ice-cold water in your hydro flask, okay? What happens if I mix your ice-cold water with my flat, warm Dr. Pepper? Do I get a nice refreshing drink? No. I get a semi-warm, watery, flat Dr. Pepper. It, It doesn't make the water better. It actually doesn't enhance anything. The only way that I can actually get a refreshing drink is to pour out my Dr. Pepper, to rinse that cup so that it's clean, and then to have that clean, fresh, refreshing water put into that cup. Being poor in spirit isn't about trying to add stuff to who we are. It isn't trying to add our good works to what God is doing. It's not trying to to, to figure out how to add Jesus to our lives. It's about saying, as we become apprentices of Jesus, our lives are completely empty. The Bible says we are made new in his image. It's about not, not realizing that nothing that we bring, even our righteousness, even the good works, even the things that we think that we do that are good. Check this out. Even the things that we do in our own effort, if it's not entirely dependent on the Spirit of God, even the things that we think we're doing good for God, if they're done in our effort, not God's effort, God has to come in and completely undo in our lives. Even the stuff we think is good, God has to come in and and actually take out the stuff because it's our effort, not God's effort. Unless God is doing it, then it's right. Then it's righteous. And so in the same way, to be poor in spirit means that we need to be cleaned out and refilled by all that God has for us. What we can do, however, is be like a broken hydro flask ourselves, one that has a ton of holes in it. And you go, what's the point? The point is, is that Jesus has enough of the things. He is enough of the things to God to fill us without ever running out. His mercy, his grace, his goodness, his love, his joy, his peace, his provision, his patience, his kindness. They never end. And so when we become poor in spirit, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is ours and he begins to pour into us. And what happens is we are not about holding on to all of this stuff. We are people who God does in us and through us in never ending grace. Over and over he continues to pour out through us and his goodness, his patience, his love, his kindness for others spills out. And who we are is an overflow of that relationship with him. That is what we are called to be. And that's why the kingdom of heaven is ours is because his spirit is flowing through us. His spirit is spilling out of our lives in every possible way and it's him, not us. Being made poor in spirit makes us rich in spirit and that we become the adopted sons and daughters of God and co-heirs with Christ. This is incredible. The Bible says that when we become followers of Jesus, we exchange our way of thinking for his way of thinking. That's called repentance. And we use the faith that he gave us to believe that Jesus is God. As As he becomes king in our hearts, and we affirm those things with our mouths, then we are adopted into God's families and we become brothers and sisters to Jesus. That is overwhelming to me. And I hope it is to you too. But it means that we receive an inheritance in the kingdom of God, that we receive the same power to live as he lives, not because we're good, but because of who he is. And we get to receive that that inheritance. We get to receive all of those things that God has intended for us because of what Jesus did, and it's not just temporary, it's for all of eternity. What a gracious, incredible father he is. In other words, apart from recognizing that we need help and we're unable to help ourselves, apart from Jesus, we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And so when the, Jesus tells the Pharisees that he as a doctor came, not for the, came for the sick, not the healthy, what he's saying is, how can I even offer a cure to somebody if you don't even recognize you're sick? We have to recognize that we're poor in spirit, and the kingdom is only for those who are poor in spirit. But Jesus doesn't ask us to do what he hasn't already done. Jesus has already led the way. He's modeled this for us. If you're taking notes today, this is our third and final observation for the day. As we apprentice Jesus, we are called to become like Jesus. As we apprentice Jesus, we are called to become like Jesus. Jesus, who is fully God and existed before he was born on earth, took on human nature in addition to his God nature. He became fully God and fully man at the same time. But instead of relying on that power as God, Jesus says, it says in the Bible that Jesus laid aside his rights and power as God and lived as a man. He relied on his Father's will and power and direction in all humility and servanthood. In fact, the Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me and does his works. And in Philippians chapter two, verses five to eight, Paul admonishes us with this. Adopt the same attitude, he's talking to us now, adopt the same attitude of that of Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And we need to come as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." This is incredible. Jesus said, I can do nothing except what the father had given and allowed him to do. He was utterly and completely dependent on the father. And in the same way, this is exactly what we are called to do as apprentices of Jesus. We can't rely on money or reputation or personality or education for our success Or in doing so, we will have told ourselves that we got here on our own, that we are accomplishing what we think we need to accomplish on our own power and ability. But in trusting and following Jesus, we see that he actually accomplishes so much more in us and through us, despite what we lack. In fact, like that broken hydro flask, Jesus doesn't choose us despite our flaws. He chooses us because of our flaws. If we recognize that it's only him that allows us to be anything and do anything. We actually understand the true meaning of that scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so this week, I'd like us to ask ourselves, am I truly living in that identity as poor in spirit? Do I trust God or is God like an added insurance plan to my life if it doesn't work out? As I live my life, what are the things that I'm saying? What are the things I'm praying about? Are they God's things or are they my things? Are they from me or from him? And and, and listen, in one sense, all sin comes down to control. All sin comes down to control. And being poor in spirit has a lot to do with surrendering to God's will and kingship for our lives. This week, let's ask Jesus to show us what areas that he wants to empty us of ourselves in and be refilled with who and what he wants us to be. So I'd encourage you, to spend some time, ask him to show you what he wants to show you this week. If you wanna know more about about becoming a follower or apprentice of Jesus or baptism or the next steps, we'd encourage you to go to the next steps table or, or come and talk to anyone with a name card, one of the elders or pastors, we'd love to talk to you about Jesus Anytime. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are such a good and holy God. We thank you that you have done what you've done because of who you are, not because of who we are. Lord, that takes so much pressure off of us. We recognize that we, Lord, so often struggle with even what and how we're supposed to do things, but you are the one as we rely and depend on you that provide those answers. And so this week, would you speak to our hearts? Would you meet us in real and meaningful ways? Would you meet us in those areas we're hurting and broken in, the ones we see and the ones we haven't quite seen yet? And help us to be entirely reliant and dependent on you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.